Today's episode is sponsored by Awesome Labs. For everything you need to build your own online store, do the smart thing. Visit beawesome.co.za. Awesome Labs, the web is chemistry. You're listening to Big Shot Business Podcast. The what, the why, and the how of building and running a successful business on the African continent. Here's your host, Linkford Biz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Shot Business Podcast. Today I have with me CEO of Sahara Ventures, Jumanim Tamalike, and it's going to be an exciting show. We're going to get to know most of the things that he has come across on the continent as he's been doing business. Jumani, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. It's really great having you here. If we can really just dive into it, um, I'm sure our listeners and viewers would be curious to know who Jumani Mutambalike is. So if you can get to it, tell us a bit about yourself, where you grew up, how it was like there, and so on. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much. So Jumani Mutambalike is, uh, is a Tanzanian, um, born and raised uh, in Tanzania. Uh, I'm not a rural guy. I was born in Aban, Dar es Salaam, at the center of the Dar es Salaam, the place called Kariako. Um, uh, went to school in Dar es Salaam, did my primary school, my secondary school in Dar es Salaam. Um, did my undergrad in India. That's where I got introduced to computers. Uh, I'm a software engineer by professional and, uh, and, and a serial entrepreneur. Um, I'm, a, I'm a digital enthusiast and uh, I'm keen to see how technology can be used as a tool to transform Africa. Uh, on a normal days, I'm also a father. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a married man with a young, beautiful daughter. And um, yeah, so that's, that's basically it's human. And uh, I'm doing a lot of work in Tanzania on promoting innovation and, and tech. I work with government, development partner. Uh, I'm also a member of something called um, Tanzania Startup Association, where we lobby for policy and regulation changes to support conducive business environment for startup. I'm also part of the national ICT skills program to uh, promote future skills and future work in Tanzania. So I'm primarily known on my work around innovation, uh, tech, and entrepreneurship, and promoting digital economy for AI in Tanzania. So that's human in summary. Oh, that's that's quite a CV. It's a, it's amazing the work you're doing up there. It's really really fascinating. Um, you are a tech enthusiast and um, by profession a software engineer, and I'm sure uh, with the work that you've been involved in, especially um, in Tanzania, um, would you say that at the moment Africa is positioned? for, I don't know, maybe a dominance in the tech space? Wow, that's, that's, that's a very good question. Um, I think, and I will say for a fact, uh, there's no better time to be an African news right, right now. I'm a very optimistic person. And one of the reasons is the fact that uh, we are uh, the youngest continent in the world right now. Um, for a country like Tanzania, our age average, our median age as a nation is 17.9. I think the median age for the continent right now is 18 years old, uh, which means we have the largest workforce than any other community or society in the world right now. 
So that of itself is a unique advantage to the to the to the African continent. Uh, but beyond that, um, I recently led the report of uh, IFC and Google on the value and potential of the internet economy in Africa, which was around 180 billion USD. And this is somehow untapped opportunity where Africa should capitalize on. Um, we are seeing young people are capitalizing on technology to create uh, employment opportunities for themselves. New jobs have been created uh, from YouTubers, podcasters, uh, graphics designers, social media account managers, digital influencers, freelancers, tech enthusiasts, all these kind of jobs and opportunities. They were not there five or six years ago, but they are all here right now. So I would say we are living in the most amazing time. The key question is our leaders, are they creating those platforms, those legal and regulatory environments, those blueprints on how uh, we can be able to enhance and capitalize on technology and digital transformation uh, for the well-being of the continent? That is a question that uh, we should ask each other and reflect upon. But this is a perfect time to be in Africa. And yes, uh, technology is giving us a competitive edge if we can find a way to use it in a more effective and efficient way. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, you know, it's been a sentiment with most youth, uh, and especially uh, uh, most guests that have come onto the podcast, that our leaders need to do something. But um, I think at this point, I've reached a, 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 a point where I'll have to ask, what do you think our leaders should be doing right now if it's uh, creating um, policies that will perhaps make the environment conducive for, for, for the type of businesses and the tech and the innovation we are currently um, seeing? What exactly is it that they should do? So that's a very good question. I think, uh, first of all, we have to understand one of the Africa's biggest problems is, of course, leadership. Um, we've been having crisis in leadership for years, and this has been hindering other the continent uh, to move. Uh, the first thing we should do as young people, uh, first of all, is to reduce our over-dependency and reliance on leaders to transform and change our lives. Anybody can be a leader um, in the position or role which you currently have. Um, you can choose to be a software engineer or a digital pioneer and create opportunity for other use. Uh, you can choose to be a podcaster or beyond a podcaster, a community reformer where you use your podcast to inform other young people, share with them opportunities. So we can, first of all, all be leaders at our own point. I just wanted to make that very clear. You don't need to be a political leader to do changes. Um, that's a first, first. Second, what we need to do and what African leaders need to do, they need to understand uh, times have changed. Uh, we need to have branded leadership. We need to have, yes, uh, older people with experience and uh, exposure and reputation of achievement and success uh, taking us through from those dirty days of colonialism up to right now where we are. But also we need to brand this with 
new energy of new young leaders who have exposure on what is happening in the world right now, who understand the challenges that technology and all these global dynamics and what is happening is bringing. So if we can have some sort of a branded leadership approach where older African leaders uh, spend time with younger African leaders to uh, reflect on challenges that are affecting our community and offer solution in a branded way, I'm very sure we can be able to move because the biggest challenge we are facing right now as a continent when it comes to leadership, those who are in power, they don't understand what is happening out there. They don't understand the global dynamics. They don't understand the stories of Cambridge Analytica and election manipulation. They don't understand uh, the issues of uh, algorithm manipulating how young people think and enforcing some certain agenda. They don't understand the power of big data and artificial intelligence. They don't understand these technologies have ability to remove people in power. But young people understand that. If they can spend time to sit down and reflect with them, uh, we can be able to address some of the most pressing issues. We can be able to address the issue of unemployment by equipping our young people with relevant digital skills and future skills so that they can be able to tap into their future job. An average African will be younger, 20 to 25 years to come because of our median age. So how are we being prepared for that? So I think the most important part is for our leaders uh, to embrace brilliant leadership so that young and the old leaders can be able to sit down and reflect and prioritize together on how to address some of the challenges we face today at the continent. Oh, surely, surely. It's, it's really something we need to, to solve. And I've been pushing on this, saying that we are the generation that will actually be able to solve that because we are the ones that have... Uh, if I can put it this way, that uh, the current um, um, industrial revolution, which everybody is referring to as the the fourth industrial revolution, is actually Africa's first industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are actually that generation within that first uh, industrial revolution, and there's uh, there's so mm -hmm. much we need to figure out. Now, if we can get into into you know more into your uh, experiences in business. Um, you are the CEO of uh, Sahara Ventures. Would you tell us what you guys do there and uh, some of the important work that you've done so far? Great. So thank you so much. Uh, Sahara Ventures is a group of companies. We started our operation uh, six years ago. Uh, I used to work with the government as a first innovation hub manager of the first innovation space uh, in Tanzania. And um, after my assignment there was over, I decided to move and start a business as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur. Of course, I had startups and products before I used to work on. Uh, some of them, they never succeeded, but they built a foundation for me to understand the whole dynamics of how entrepreneurship works. So we co-founded uh, Sahara Sparks, me and my co-founders back in uh, uh, 2016. And the idea was to create a marketplace for showcasing what is happening in Tanzania in terms of uh, innovators and startups and entrepreneurs. What are they doing? And then try to introduce them to uh, not only investors, but potential partners who could uh, help or support to excel their businesses. 
Um, we started with Sahara Sparks is uh, an event, a very humble, small event in Dar es Salaam. Uh, fast forward right now, it's a very big platform. We have partnered with partners across the African continent. We've done the event in multiple African cities, including Lagos, uh, Kampala, Lilongwe, Johannesburg. And in 2019, we even did uh, a chapter of it in the Nordic region in Finland, uh, uh, in an area called Helsinki. So the brand has grown so much, and it has been a platform to bring together innovators, entrepreneurs, tech enthusiasts, decision makers, as well as researchers. And the idea is how can you foster conversation that encourage people to think about things that really matter when it comes to digital economy and foyer. How can we localize the context and try to create things that can address our environment? So Sahara Sparks is one of the company which is under Sahara Ventures. The other one is called um, Sahara Accelerator. So we have a space in Dar es Salaam, a physical space. It's an accelerator. And what we do there, we primarily do investor readiness program, which we support uh, businesses to reach to a stage where they can be introduced to an investor. We help them with the due diligence process, help to de-risk them before we can introduce them to investors. So that is another company which is under Sahara Ventures. It's called Sahara Accelerator. And finally, we have our call Sahara Consult, which basically does a lot of consulting work around innovation, around impact consulting, but also we do consult on uh, future and emerging technologies in Africa. We do a lot of studies and publication on what it means for Africa to adapt things like AI, blockchain, and how can we make this technology actually touch lives at the grassroots level and not just stories of robotics and machines taking over, but on things that really matter, how can we get um, AI to create uh, virtual medical assistance to support doctors who are working in high density areas. How can we use blockchain to help farmers in distributions and value chains? Uh, um, how can we use AI to provide accurate information for farmers when it comes to um, seeds and other stuff they need on day-to-day -day basis? So how do you make this technology and the digital transformation uh, relevant to this group of people is what we are doing with our digital consulting with. So when you take Sahara Sparks, the marketplace, uh, and, and then when you take our accelerator, Sahara Accelerator, and then when you take Sahara Consult, which is our consulting wing, you bring together, that is what gives you uh, Sahara Ventures. And our mission is basically to build uh, an innovation ecosystem in Africa, uh, of course, charity begins from home, so our emphasis right now is more in Tanzania, but we partner with our partners across the continent. Uh, for example, last year in our marketplace, we partnered with Busi Sembequayo by Crossfund. Uh, the year before that, we partnered with uh, Chanzo Capital, Eric Siakwan, the best in Ghana, to do the marketplace together uh, to attract more investors and to encourage the capital within the continent. So that is what we are doing as uh, Sahara Ventures. Well, that's that's fascinating, uh, uh, you know, uh, work that you guys are doing there. I see it's a it's a full house eh, with all the services that a business would require from the very beginning, all the way mm -hmm. to being very profitable and successful. It's really amazing mm -hmm. work. We applaud you for that. Now, uh, Sahara Ventures is a business on itself, and. Mm -hmm. 
that would mean that you also kind of went through your own experiences of what mm-hmm. starting building and running a successful business is like would you tell us what were some of the lessons that you 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 learned during that process so there's a lot of lessons i'll try to pick some uh, some few that really uh, stand out so first of all it's not easy to build a business in africa um, the environment uh, we we talked about this with other founders like every day uh, in early days you quickly realize bootstrapping in africa working with minimum resources is extremely difficult you know uh, when you find someone from a lot of silicon valley or an entrepreneur in europe or other places when they tell you we're bootstrapping to build our business right. uh, it might mean that they're just using a public transport and not a car but in africa if someone tells you i'm bootstrapping to build my business it means sometimes they cannot even have their next meal you know so it's is 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 very difficult when you're starting because these systems and structures that support an early business to start they're simply not there uh we don't have angel investors uh we are coming from families uh, that are not uh, wealthy enough to give you some sort of a seed fund to start your business uh the moment you graduate or finish your, your undergrad everybody is there uh, expect you to have a job and support them so uh the, the first biggest challenge was how to start uh, how to leverage resources so that you can be able to start and uh the lesson i learned was uh, capitalizing on networks uh looking for mentors establishing relationship meeting new people it can be very very important for you when you're starting a new business in africa because uh you really need to capitalize on every resource you can get to start i think that is fast um the second lesson that i have learned uh when starting this business up to where we are right now uh it is all we agree um there's a lot of talent in africa and uh a lot of like young people are coming into the job market uh the question of skills and relevance of their skills uh with respect on what the demand of the market is um is very mismatched for a lack of better word so uh you really have to spend a huge quite amount of time to look for potential other founders or your first hires uh, you really need to work hard to get very very good people and once you get good people is also extremely difficult to retain them because they are few you know and you have to as a startup you have to compete with established corporate companies to retain those people to keep them in your team uh and what i've learned there uh, the best way to do it is to put yourself in a situation where uh you think beyond the shareholding structure you you need to open up you need to give them a purpose you need to give them a promise of them owning a business you need to make them involved so that you can be able to navigate on that journey together it's very very difficult to identify to recruit to retain and to convince talents to join when you are starting so that is another challenge that most of the early stage businesses are facing in africa and that's why you find most of the businesses are being run by one or two people and they do everything themselves 
because of those challenges. Because um, there's a issue that uh, blend in the process because issues of also legal and compliance. I don't know where you are right now in, 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 in SA, but in, in Tanzania, um, to establish a business, there's a lot of processes, difficult processes. Uh, you need to have a lease agreement, you need to own a building to, to just establish a business. So you can imagine if you're fresh from school, uh, you're coming from a low middle income family, how do you get money to do all that, to do business registration, to attend business license, to comply with tax authorities. So all those are some of the challenges you, 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 you learn and, and, and you navigate in the way. And when you're able to start, also the issue now becomes how do you maintain, how do you come up with a sustainable business model uh, that will allow you to, to continue to excel. For example, we didn't want to have all these companies, some companies in the Sahara, but you have to do it because immediately you realize the first company you open up is either struggling with the business model, you need to look for another way to sustain yourself. And uh, we also used to make these jokes, you know, with other founders. In Africa, what is written on the business model canvas or lean canvas might not even work, you know. Sometimes you're running a tech company, but you have to do honey business so that you can be able to generate enough money right. to support yeah. your <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so um, there's a lot of lessons, but it has been what they call a monkey business, uh, a lot of learning, uh, a lot of chaos and a lot of fun. And if you ask me right now, would I stop to do this? I'll tell you why. This is exciting and it continue to do it. Of course, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of tension, and everybody's your clients, your shareholders, uh, your employees, your family. But again, it's a very exciting world to be in, and especially if your startup is somehow involved in things related to digital, because every day it's changing and uh, digital transformation is real. That's really fascinating. I think it's a, it's a story that echoes across the continent where, mm -hmm. um, whenever somebody is trying to start a business the regulatory processes that they have to go through are really really difficult um i think it's the um imf if i'm not mistaken or is it the world bank that has a um, um uh, doing business index and most african countries are not even in the top 100 of that of that list and it really becomes a challenge for 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 the continent to rise where yeah, the grassroots yeah. businesses cannot really survive. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an it amazing journey sense. that you, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And, and, and it doesn't make sense because True. just imagine, we, we want to create a lot of jobs. We want to create a lot of opportunity for young people. We want to create ventures that can employ and create opportunity for African news. Now you're asking yourself, like, why are we shooting ourselves on our legs? Right. You know, why not create a conducive environment so these young people, they can start as many businesses as possible mm. so they stop relying on the public jobs, you know. Uh, mm. Governments in Africa, they cannot create enough jobs. Uh, can I give you an example? In Tanzania, free one million youth are getting into the job market every year. And the capacity of our central government to hire is less than 40,000, you know. So you're asking yourself for the past 10 or 15 years, you have a huge chunk of youth who are getting uh, knowledge and uh, educated, 
but they cannot get employed. So this is a big challenge, and uh, we are in a stage where uh, digital skills and future skills and future jobs and digital economy is no longer a luxury, it's a necessity because we have this huge burden where we need to uh, find a solution for, and the issue of job is a ticking bomb in most of the African countries. Indeed, indeed. You know, it's uh, it's really fascinating how um, there's such a huge gap um, between the, I, I, I think the generation of, our, of most of the leaders on the African continent and mm-hmm the generation of the people that they are leading is such a huge difference that ideologies it's it's a total mismatch um what it means to have a government is also a total mismatch i remember listening to to i think it was the ceo of uh venmo the um uh the fintech app and Mm -hmm. his daughter his daughter was asking him why he was going to to the atm i believe Right, because she thought <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. You've got to yeah. be able to do everything on your phone, and that's how the, the you know the the youth of today are thinking. Even even the yeah. that are being born now, that's how they're seeing yeah. the world. Like, yeah. this is how yeah. things are supposed to work because it's obviously better. But then we, yeah, have this, yeah this generational disconnect where. Yeah those that are leading are not seeing it and those that are being yeah. led are wondering why are you not seeing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's why we need branded leadership that's why my yeah. first point was if you want to tackle the african leadership problem it's simply blended leadership mm-hmm. we are not saying the older generation should go home and retire and sleep and whatever mm-hmm. we still need their wisdom of we course, still yes. need the experience but the idea is young people need, and not just any stupid young people, proper mm-hmm. young people. They need mm-hmm. seat on the table. They need to sit with the council of elders so that they can discuss the interest of the village mm-hmm. because we are all living in that village. If a lion is about to attack us, it's not just going to come and attack the elders. It's attacking True. all of us. Everyone, and yes. possibly, mm-hmm. potentially will be the one who are in deep trouble because uh, we are young and... We're supposed to protect the village. Indeed. If you know Indeed. what I'm trying to say. Exactly. So yeah. my, my point is it's extremely important to invest in this branded leadership thing because of relevance and the time we are living in. Uh is not a time, it's not an easy time for BBC born before computers. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, very true. Have you heard about the Shark Business Network? It's the place to be for African entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals just like you. Join millions of fellow entrepreneurs today by visiting likeabigshot.com. Big Shot Business Network. Connect, share, grow. If we can move on as well into a futurist, what does that mean? (laughs) I see you've done your homework. So uh, (laughs) I think I've been on Twitter for this is my 10th or so 11th year, and uh, I've never, I've never changed uh, my Twitter handle. It was always Jform Tambalike. So my name means Jumanne. Ne in Swahili means four, and Jumanne is literally Tuesday. <laughs> All right. You're getting me. So right. 
most of my friends call me J4 because that's how they call the name in Tanzania. Um, uh-huh. But I wanted to, to do a bit of rebranding of my brand because uh, uh, there's a new uh, career uh, in, in advanced economy uh, that people, they call them futurists. Uh, uh-huh. People assess, uh, evaluate, anticipate how the future will look like with respect to uh, shifts in global dynamics, whether it's economical shift, whether it's digital shift, whether it's social shift, what does it look like? And what I realized, there are very few Africans who are actually doing that. And if we don't have Africans who are doing that, the problem is that nobody will predict the future of Africa better than the Africans themselves. So if we allow other people to become up, to become futurist expert for Africa, um, expect statements like uh, the future of Africa is so just going to have war because there'll be a lot of young people fighting for it with each other because there are no jobs. Yeah. Uh, the future of Africa we want. So what I wanted is to change the narrative. And that's why I named myself a futurist or African futurist. And the right. idea is to focus on investing my time to research uh, the global dynamics with respect to what is happening in Africa uh, mm-hmm. and what the future of Africa will look like, what the future of Africa will look like in terms of jobs, what does the future of Africa look like in terms of technology adoption, what the future of Africa will look like in terms of uh, the rising inequality and economic gaps. Uh, what does the future of Africa look like in terms of political dimensions and how technology influences and change political systems? So I want to focus and invest my time on that so I can provide insightful information and make that as a career that I want to uh, adapt uh, for the rest of my life because I feel it's an extremely important area and there are very few Africans who are investing their time in that area. And uh, traditionally, we are, not, we are known for not planning for the future, you know. Uh, oh, we used yeah. to make this joke in Tanzania. Um, and I'm, I'm very sure you also makes it in SA. Uh, you know, uh, in African families, it's pretty much okay just to wake up tomorrow and we're saying to see, to meet our granddad. The plan, the strategy, there's nothing. We just got to right. tomorrow. There's we're going to meet that sort, yeah. Babu. Yeah. We call grandfather in Tanzania, we call Babu. So like, hey, right, tomorrow yeah. we're going to meet our Babu, right? Dad, we didn't plan for that. Like, you need to plan <laughs> to meet your granddad, you know. True. But mm. for other uh, societies or communities, you hear things like, oh, you know what? We're planning to go to uh, visit Mount Kilimanjaro next summer. So they're right. planning for next summer right now. Indeed. So um, that culture is extremely important to Africa right now because uh, the, the continent is rising and there's a lot of challenge. We need to focus and mm. vision. Uh, what the future will look like so that we can plan right now uh, to be able to fit into the future. And that's why the brand are futurist. All right. That's that's fascinating. That's that's really amazing. I think it's a, uh, there's, a, there's, a sta- there's a statement. Um, I'm not sure who exactly said it, but uh, the statement was, whoever knows the future is the most powerful person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's 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 a really great thing uh, having one of our own in the continent that'll be able to 
to make those predictions and say yeah. based on this data this is where we're going based on that data this is what we should yeah. be doing yeah. because it's a very necessary thing one of the things that i've noticed i think um over the the, the, the last decade is that most people are clueless yeah clueless as to what to yeah. do or what's coming next their most african leaders are actually just reacting um, I'm, i'm telling you it's it's, it's yeah. scary you know so even even when uh the pandemic started mm-hmm. most of the things that started happening or the type of laws and regulations that were put into place or the processes or even the strategies that were coming up you could see these are not proactive strategies these are reactive right mm-hmm. of course we cannot we cannot always prepare for everything because you can't conclusively know everything but yeah. there there are things as as predictable mm-hmm. as in mm-hmm. a, a pandemic yeah right? data can actually be used to predict if there's a chance of a pandemic what would we do if yeah I, i don't know if you're following the story uh with id 2020 i think it was called id 2020 mm-hmm. and some of the presentations that were that were coming up i didn't participate but um, yeah. this was from what others were, were reporting but some of the presentations that were coming up you could tell that uh a scenario where a global pandemic is a possibility was rehearsed and wow. they had planned for it what would we do if this happens what would yeah. we do if that happens you know mm-hmm. and i've been doing that i think since since early childhood Yeah. If this happens what would I do if this happens yeah. what would I do and yeah. I used to do it as a game for myself yeah right I used to do it as a game for myself and I was really surprised last year as to how how uncommon common sense is <laughs> <laughs> if you really look at it if you really look at uh common sense no one, is underrated yeah it, oh, no one had planned for massive lockdowns I, I, i'm glad you yeah. guys didn't have to go through all that nonsense you know yeah uh, and and i think your, your economy is even better off because of it you know yeah uh, and yeah. Here yeah. in south africa the first 21 days were a crisis oh my god i closed three businesses because of Ooh. uh of that uh, uh lockdown just those 21 days oh my those god days, i went from being profitable this night and the next morning everything is gone you can't open your doors you can't you can't you can't pay your creditors because clients are not coming in to pay you oh, <laughs> that's bad it was really bad but then since for me it's, it's always been a game what would happen yeah. if i do this what would happen if i, I yeah. kind of prepared for it so i was a little bit better off than others but mm-hmm that's when you start seeing that it was mostly reactionary it was not um, mm-hmm. it was not planned it was not raised prior to 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 the day but with with you know with uh, perhaps futurists on the continent will be able to actually start looking at the data that yeah. we are accumulating every day and saying hey look yeah. this is where we will be in 2022 2025 yeah. this is where we will be you know I, my my brother has a tendency of saying we should stop teaching our children uh european history because europeans are teaching their children african future <laughs> no it's 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 fascinating actually because you know uh right now if i'm, I'm trying to be very careful with my word if if you think right, yeah. average african leader 
uh, and ask them, uh, where do you see we'll be able to live in the new normal? It will be very difficult for them to give you any prediction, any proper prediction, or even just ask them like, when do you think the whole country will be fully vaccinated? Did, you know, did. And, and, and the challenge is because we don't do forecasting, we don't do uh, visioning exercises, we, we, we don't plan until things happen. And that's really bad. That's really bad. And we cannot afford to do it right now where we have a lot of data and, and insight and tools and platforms that can allow us to, to, to plan early. Um, it'll be so disappointing for that to happen. It's really, it's really interesting. There's, there's quite a lot we need to fix on the continent. Uh, time seems to be running for us. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's let let's get back a little bit into um, um, you know uh, looking at the future and um, uh, the predictions that could be made based on the data that we have. Where do you see the continent going? Oh. So 15 of the fastest um, growing economies are, are in Africa. We, we are seeing a lot of African countries are growing uh, really fast. I think that's, that's a very good news. Um, the key question is uh, what our founding father used to say, uh, the late Julius Kambala Genyerele, uh, how we seeing growth of things or growth of people. Are we seeing growth of infrastructure and building, but people are still extremely poor? Or are we seeing both happening? And I will say we're seeing growth of infrastructures and buildings and everything, but still the living standard of people is kind of uh, left behind. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm anticipating there'll be more emphasis on growth of people than growth of infrastructure in the next few years because already there's a lot of complaints of uh, even though we have uh, these countries with the fastest growing economy, but the things that are growing are actually infrastructure and not people's lives. So I think that is one of the areas that um, uh, really something will have to happen and potential will happen. Uh, another thing which I think will definitely happen is, uh, uh, is full-fledged technology adoption by African youth because the government cannot create jobs. The private sector cannot create enough jobs. Uh, the future of Africa is gig economy and platform economy and sharing and freelancing. That's where most of the African youth will be looking for jobs. Um, I'm seeing uh, African uh, youth being listed in platforms like Fever, uh, Skillshare, uh, Freelancer, and even some local platforms such as Gebea, uh, Andela, and others popping up to address the issue of uh, skills and, and gigging in, in, in African uh, economy because that's the only place I see jobs coming. If you leave aside jobs in the agriculture sector and some other traditional sectors. So that is something also uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing happening. Uh, we'll see also most of the cities in Africa uh, attaining mega city status. For example, uh, our own city in Dar es Salaam, by 2030, it will attain uh, the mega city status. We'll have more than 10 million people living in Dar es Salaam. 
uh, the key question is uh, is it going to be a mega city or a mega slum? You know, so right, we, yeah. we, 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 as young leaders and our leaders in charge, they have to make that decision. And the only way for those cities that are growing really fast in Africa to be mega cities is to have proper urban planning really early, uh, to strategize on how those cities can accommodate people, but also to think about integration of technology, uh, remote working systems, um, uh, alternative uh, logistic systems and things like that that will allow all the cities to be livable because most of the African cities right now are very difficult to navigate. Uh, we are losing a lot of uh, productive time stuck in the traffic and things like that. So um, I'm staying optimistic that new cities will emerge and uh, secondary cities in Africa will be promoted to accommodate uh, capital cities and financial capital so that um, cities can be livable. So that is another thing which uh, I'm seeing uh, potentially uh, will, uh, will, uh, will happen. Uh, with the lessons from the pandemic, um, most businesses will do business process engineering. Uh, most of jobs that are traditional jobs will be lost. Uh, new jobs will emerge. Um, people with uh, digital uh, literacy and basic understanding of computers will have a better chance of getting employed compared to other African youth. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's critical we equip our young people with those skills because they'll definitely be needed uh, in the next uh, 10 to 15 years for their survival. I'm seeing also some of the college degrees that are being offered right now, like Bachelor of Procurement, uh, Diploma in File Management. All those <laughs> degrees will be phased out because uh, there are not, not going to be jobs for them. So it will be relevant to continue to train uh, young Africans into those uh, programs because computers will be taking all those jobs. And when I say computers, some people think about like robots and things like that. But basically, softwares, they'll eat most of the jobs that yeah. Are, yeah. are being done by African youth right now, especially routine jobs. Yeah. Uh, expect things like uh, cashier, uh, uh, call centers, uh, customer services offices uh, yeah. uh, to face a lot of challenges. So that, that dynamics, uh, those dynamics will definitely happen. Um, yeah. Also, uh, because of the, 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 the pandemic, uh, the future of jobs also change. Uh, jobs will be looking for people and not people looking for jobs. Uh, because of your talent, people look for you, not because you had your degree, you'll be moving around Cape Town or Joburg looking for good office, nobody will do that. So a lot of these things will change. And uh, uh, being optimistic, uh, I, I am... I'm, I'm hoping and I'm praying that they change for the better and not for the worse. That's that's great. That's great. The future does look bright. Um, it should be a shaking, but it does look bright. So that's a, that's a good thing. You know, um, I was uh, I was listening to I believe it was one of the Google talks, and uh, I think one of the policies that they have ad uh, adopted. 
mm-hmm. is uh, they've they've removed the the degree requirement from their recruiting process. Yeah, so <laughs> it really becomes a a questionable future for 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 institutes that offer those degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you begin to wonder now when uh such big companies like like Google are beginning to put those um mm-hmm. those ideas in place. Yeah. Yeah. The people yeah. that are currently studying to get that degree. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. their future like because now somebody else that can do the same skill that this other yeah. person was learning to get a degree can just take mm-hmm. over that job so it becomes a really interesting future to look forward to yeah. anyways um what are some of the opportunities that you think maybe entrepreneurs can take advantage of going forward based on everything that we have come uh, uh come across now uh mm-hmm. from the pandemic itself um uh you know even the the Africa free trade agreement that is coming to place just beginning of the year all yeah. of those things what opportunities are you seeing from your side that you think entrepreneurs can take advantage of wow so that's a very good question i think uh service economy is real uh uh price is rising africa purchasing power somehow is going up in some countries so soon people will start to buy convenience you talked about uh a colleague uh, uh encounters his daughter on 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 a fintech solutions so we will see more people buy convenience so uh software and applications that create convenience for people either to navigate or to uh purchase things in time at a better price and it gives them a uh, diverse option they have a better chance so i'm seeing opportunity for uh, fintechs and believe me even though we have more than 400 fintech startups across the continent uh cash is still the king at 48 or 50% i think so still we need more fintech solutions uh to address financial inclusion and, and promote digital literacy and things like that so i see opportunity there i see uh opportunity in in, in e-commerce um because uh again in some of the cities which will not be livable is is very difficult for people to navigate so most of the people prefer to do shopping online and on digital platform is already happening um with 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 uh, the big four uh, twitter facebook uh google and apple uh they are seeing africa as a market and they're coming with different business model for people to buy and sell on their platform so I'm seeing e-commerce also uh, going up since like uh, drop shipping uh, some of those concepts will, uh, will, 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 will increase. Um, I'm also seeing uh, 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 sectors like uh, agriculture, uh, nutrition sensitive products. Uh, people will be creating products that are nutrition sensitive. We'll have a better chance to um, to build stronger businesses because the middle class again will be very conscious with their health uh, the rise of uh, ncds in urban africa and communicable diseases will make a lot of young people kind of conscious to eat healthy food so i see that is also again another uh, area of opportunity but also we talked about digital skills so and 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 and, and future of jobs so startup that will be addressing skills gap that will be addressing skills mismatch that will be uh, creating opportunity for people to learn layer skills 
uh, also will have a better chance to succeed and, 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 and excel. Uh, also the health sector, digital health solutions, uh, remote diagnostic tools uh, will also uh, have a huge chance to uh, create impact but also uh, create opportunity for young people. Uh, shared and platform economy, so ride sharing apps, uh, in real estate apps, you, you will also be in a good strategic position if you figure out the business model to excel. So the future is very promising and there's a, there's a lot of opportunity as Africa is becoming more urbanized and the middle class is rising. Uh, it means uh, you pick a problem and offer a solution and you definitely want to be a millionaire. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's really, uh, there are many um, opportunities available on the continent and really encourage as many entrepreneurs to get on board and start seeing those opportunities and take advantage of them. Now, in closing, in closing, is there something you would like to say perhaps to entrepreneurs across the continent? Yeah, so first of all, I'd like to appreciate for you giving me this opportunity. You know, we're having this conversation, but I'm also reflecting. And uh, there's a lot of things that blend from just our conversation in terms of where we're going and maybe things that I used to take for granted. Uh, it's kind of consolidated in my mind, but I should work on them more because they're very important for the continent, especially on Afro, in, in Afro future reason, if I can call it, African future, whatever. Um, but also, uh, I think... I really like this. You're, you're, you're calling me from SA and I'm in Tanzania and we're having this conversation. That all spirit of Pan-Africanism, you know, is coming in in a different way. In early days, it was about Yelele and Mandela creating opportunity for uh, countries to become free again. And we were struggling for uh, political freedom. But right now we are looking for economical freedom. So. My call is that more collaborations, more partnerships, more conversations like this, Pan-Africa conversation between Africa, from Malawi, South Africa, all the way to Egypt and Kenya and Tanzania, they should happen more. And these strategic partnerships and collaborations, they should happen because it's a market, 1.2 billion people we're targeting and we should just find a way to capitalize on it. So that'll be the first thing I want to encourage. Uh, the second thing is that I will encourage optimism. We stay optimistic, but also we work so hard toward optimistic and making uh, what we're predicting or what we're foreseeing to really happen instead of just sitting down and assuming that the future will be okay and it's already planned by God. You know? <laughs> so uh, those will be my, my, my key to issue, like the concept of Pan-Africanism, how can we work together to address some of the issues that are affecting our continent right now, but also moving forward, how can we plan better? How can we use data and facts to make informed decisions about our future? I think to me, it's extremely important. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you, really. Thank you so much. Any book recommendations? Uh, so, uh, one minute. So, I do a lot of books. Uh, So a few of them. There's this one, Megatech. I told you I'm a futurist, so I, I right. really love about futurism. 
I'm, I'm, I'm looking at um, some of the technology that will really impact the world by 2050. There's one called AI evolution, uh, where oh, the answer is really like discussing how AI will transform some different sectors in a very different way. But there's one called uh, Prosperity uh, by Colin Mayer. I think this is a very good book for me. You know, uh, capitalism is currently under fire. And uh, we are questioning if capitalism is the right way to move forward with it. And how can we move forward better beyond shareholders' interests? How do we build businesses that actually create impact? How can we attain that triple bottom line? Be cautious with the environment. Uh, yes, making profit, but at the same time improving people's lives. I think to me um, that is a direction to take, and anyone who is doing conversation around that area can be a very good friend to me. Because how do we move beyond uh, shareholders' interests is very very important. So I will commend prosperity. I will commend AI evolution, and uh, I will commend megatech. And of course, oh. because that is the area walking on and uh right yeah yeah that's fascinating that's fascinating i think i'll get myself copies of those books as well we'll put all this information in the in the podcast notes how can people get hold of you um yeah so uh for 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 uh, any business issue please uh related to sahara ventures um, they can simply write to me, CEO at saharaventures.com. Uh, that straight comes to me, CEO at saharaventures.com. And we can discuss any kind of partnership, collaboration, or work you have. Uh, if it's about me and like my personal profile, so it's me at afuturist.africa. <laughs> All right. That's and beautiful. Me, That's beautiful. Me at afuturist.africa. And uh, we can talk all day about the future market. <laughs> nice. That's great. That's really beautiful. We'll put all of that information uh, in the podcast notes. Jaman, I really appreciate you having come through today and uh, talking to us, giving us all the value that you have given and giving us hope as well, you know, looking at where the African continent is going and encouraging collaboration. We really appreciate that you took the time to, to do that. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, Kaka. Have a good, uh, have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Be sure to join millions of fellow entrepreneurs at Big Shot Business Network. For this week's show notes, visit likeabigshot.com/podcast. Until next week, this has been the Big Shot Business Podcast.